Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. We are in the middle of reading the book of John. We said that we wanted to get to know Jesus, and so in order to do that, we wanted to look at his life. We're so excited to be in scripture with you girls this summer, and today we're in chapters six and seven. It's a lot of big stuff, so settle in. We are back, and I am so proud of you, whoever's listening, because <laughs> you're really, really digging into the Bible. Like, we are reading yes. through a book of the Bible together, and I just hope that this time, this Sunday or Monday or whenever it is that you listen to this podcast, has become time that you get to spend with God. Maybe you're even reading along with us. Maybe you're reading your Bible, you know, during the week, but either way... Yeah. I'm proud of you. This is a big thing, getting to look into Jesus' life and learn about him and therefore really start to get to know the heart of God. So we are excited to dive in today, but before we get started, let's pray together. God, we love you so much, and we just pray that you would bless this time that we have 30 minutes set aside to be with you today and to really look at Jesus' life and see what we can know about you from knowing him. Would you draw near to us? Would you use this in our life today? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. So this is week five, which is crazy. Like, I'm really proud of y'all for hanging on and continuing to follow us through the book of John. And we have said this before, but I want to make sure we reiterate it. We love hosting this podcast we hope that it's a great resource for y'all, but I, it should never replace your own quiet times with the Lord. And we're actually going to talk about that a little bit today, get into it yeah. more of the, the importance of spending personal one-on-one time with Jesus. And obviously, we love that you guys are here, but hope that it's just a stepping stone to your own walk with the Lord. Right, because we don't know everything. And No, we definitely don't. B, we're not even covering everything. So yeah. This is my favorite part about the podcast is talking about scripture and talking about our relationships with God. That's how Mm -hmm. I see this podcast adding to your life. So hopefully this can be enriching in that way, but that you could spend your own time interacting with God and with scripture and that that would be life-giving to you in the most essential way. Right. Emily and I are just talking about what has stood out to us. As we've been studying, and so y'all might read through and something completely different might stand out to you. And that's amazing. Like, that's the power of scripture. We're told that scripture is living and active. So what stands out to you might not stand out to us, and what stands out to us might not stand out to you. Um, But anyways, we are going to be talking about chapters 6 and 7 today. Just to kind of give a little recap before we jump into it, we talked about Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well and how that was scandalous because he shouldn't have been talking to a Samaritan or a woman. He cared for her and he told her that he can provide living water. And there was a pool called the Pool of Bethesda. There was a legend that if people got into the pool, then they would be healed. And so there was this man who had been waiting by the water and Jesus ends up healing him. But... Emily talked about this last week, which is so cool. He ends up not even really like appreciating what Jesus did because he was so scared of the social consequences. Which we can all relate to that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can totally relate to the fear of 
a social consequence for following Jesus. That is scary, especially in college. So if that's something that you're wrestling with, we get it. We've been there. And we also promise that life with Jesus is worth it. And it's better than anything society can offer. But where we're picking up the story today, at this point in his ministry, Jesus is pretty well known. Um, Word has spread about him and there is now a crowd of people that started following Jesus from place to place. And today we're going to be reading chapter six, part of chapter six, specifically a story that you might have heard before. It's when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And now they're out along the Sea of Galilee, but in a very desolate place. And so that's where we're going to pick up this story. Emily, will you read chapter 6, verses 1 through 14? Yeah. Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. It's awesome. So this is a crazy story. One like little fun fact for y'all is this is the only miracle that is actually written about in all four gospels. And we think that that is because there were so many people there to witness it. We've got Jesus and 5,000 men. And most people believe that there was actually 15 to 20,000 people, which is insane because it's not counting women and children which is crazy i know one thing that i learned when listening to a tim keller sermon is that barley the bread that's specifically mentioned that the little boy has was bread for the poor so i don't know if he was there with his family like we don't know much about the little boy but we know that he has packed up what he has And gone out to follow Jesus. And then Jesus provides in ways that the little boy could have never imagined. And as we were reading that, I think we were both struck with like, wow, that little boy had to trust Jesus with what he had. Yep. He had no idea what Jesus was going to do with it. No, he thought he's going to divide it up. (laughs) Yeah, he thought he was going to get like maybe a crumb of what he had. But instead, Jesus provides abundantly. I think about that like with my own life. What are areas of my life where like I'm holding on so tightly to something because I'm scared of what will happen if I let it go. And Jesus is actually saying like, no, bring that to me because I want to use it. I want to use that. I want to use you. The little boy could have been selfish and held on to his lunch himself. But instead he said, no, I trust you 
like take it and use it. Also, thinking about the disciples walking around, like asking people if they have something to give. I would find it hard to believe that nobody else had food. Right. Maybe the little boy was the only one who was willing to give yeah. it up. Maybe yep. other people had some food and they're like hiding it. They don't want it taken away from them. They're holding on to it tightly. But the yep. little boy trusted and he said, okay, you can you can take what I have. This is all I have, but you can take it. Yeah, imagine giving that. And as a result, he got to be a part of this amazing miracle. And what's really cool is Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and provided but it, but he wants to partner with us. Like he loves us so much and he wants us to be a part of what he's doing. I mean, everyone's faith would have been built. Yeah. To see this, but this child who offers up just the little that he has, his faith would have been built even more, you know? Yeah. Then this huge crowd has seen him do this sign. And immediately, everyone's realizing he really is God. This is so amazing. Yeah, we're told at different times throughout the Old Testament that the Messiah is going to provide bread in the wilderness. So Jesus performing this miracle, his miracle in front of the most amount of people ever is his big, like, I'm, I am the Messiah. Yep. And people believe in him. And he's perceiving that they are about to take him and by force make him be the king. (laughs) And so he sneaks away and is hiding Mm -hmm. or just spending some time alone. And it comes to the evening time and the disciples don't know where he is. It gets dark and they decide, okay, we're just going to get in the boat and start going to our next place. So uh, this lake... They, they call it the Lake of Galilee. Like some, It's like on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, near the Sea of Tiberias, whatever. But it's a seven-mile-across journey. And it says they were like three or four mm-hmm. miles in, so right in the middle. And they have realized, they, they know they left Jesus. And they're like, I don't know where he is. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> what? Where'd he go? Yeah, like, what? I would never leave him, but okay. Um, anyway... So they don't know where he is. And then they see him walking across the water and they're scared. And he says, don't be afraid. You know who I am. And then they let him into the boat. And as soon, it literally says, as soon as he gets in the boat, immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So that's one of those things where that's how you know really and truly that he could have just snapped his fingers and provided. Like when we talked about calming the storm, that he really could have just snapped his fingers and they could be where they were supposed to be but he does everything intentionally and it's it's after they get to where they're going the next morning the crowd comes looking for him because they basically are like hungry and curious what he's gonna do like you're gonna be our king yeah they're like you're gonna be our king king. so we're following you and they basically said where did you go and he starts talking to them about what he's truly offering, which is what he calls the bread of life. Chapter 6, verse 35 through 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing 
of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So he's, he's saying so much here. He's talking about eternal life and he's talking about how God wants a relationship with us. And he's talking about how there are things that we're going to look for in our life that are temporarily fulfilling. And then there are eternal things that come from God that are forever fulfilling. And he wants to give us those things. He wants to point us towards those things. This is obviously really important. And the theme that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, we have several things that we want to say about this. But for now, the next thing that happens is Jesus is trying to explain to them what the bread of life is and starts talking about the bread that I will give you. This is verse 51, halfway through. And the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. So he starts talking about my flesh is the bread and my blood is the water. (laughs) And... The crowd starts... Naturally, people are like, (laughs) what the heck? The crowd starts getting really freaked out. Some of them start leaving. This is verse 60. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? They're basically saying, this is so off-putting. Why are you saying this? No one wants to hear this. (laughs) And he said, he didn't... They didn't say it to him, obviously, because they probably would have been nervous to do that. But he senses that they're feeling this way and he confronts it. And he says, do you take offense at this? Which I actually wrote that down. Mm-hmm. Do you take offense at this? If there's ever a time that what Jesus calls us to do and like what he's calling us to hear is something that we take offense at, some good is happening there because his words are rubbing up against the world in us. Yeah. That's true. But anyway, after he starts saying all of this, he gives them a free pass to go. He's like, if this offends you, there's the door. And a lot of people, a lot of his disciples leave and the 12 are left. He says to Peter and all the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So that gets us all the way through chapter six and chapter seven. There's not a specific miracle that we want to talk about, but I'm going to quickly summarize what happens. And then we're going to talk about what it means and especially what it means for us. The festival of booths. Some people call it the festival of tabernacles. Booths and tabernacles are both a word for tents. Mm -hmm. It's a seven or eight day festival, like a feast in Jerusalem, people would get together and celebrate what God had done for them in the wilderness. They're, they would like read back through scripture. They would live in tents for those number of days just to remember what it was like as God was providing for them in the wilderness. So in Jewish tradition, remembrance is so important. The Feast of Booths is the event and everyone's going because it's a big deal. Jesus's brothers in their inability to see who he truly is. They just think he's sort of trying to be an influencer. 
<laughs> they're like, look, you're trying to be famous and like you're doing all this stuff. Like, why are you out here in the middle of nowhere? You need to go to Jerusalem, be in front of everybody, show them all the stuff you can do, and then you'll obviously be famous. And Jesus answers them and says, no, I'm not going to go. Uh, my time hasn't come yet. And when I go, they're going to hate me because I am pointing out to them they're evil. But you go. You go ahead. And so he sends right. them on. And then he goes in private. About midway through the festival, he starts teaching. And he talks about a lot of things. But what we want to zoom in on is the last thing that he said. Before we get there, it's important to say that the Pharisees are super angry. And then they decided they want to arrest him. Yeah. And kill him. It says at the beginning of 7 that he would not go in because the jews were seeking to kill him right like they were angry so he's been hiding from them at this point continuing to do his ministry but trying to avoid them because they're trying to kill him but he decides to go into jerusalem where everyone will be and risk his life to share this message this is chapter 7 verse 37 will you read that Mm -hmm. on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the last day of the feast was a time where they really focused in on the moment in the desert where their ancestors were thirsty and God allows Moses to bring water out of a rock. And so they're talking about water on this last day. And he yells out. And this is like, you know, he had been teaching and probably saying a lot for the days before this. But this is the last thing he says, and it's really short. And all he says is, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Yeah. After that, some people believed in him. Some people thought he was a good man. Some people thought that he was deceiving people. And the Pharisees were even more desperate to arrest him. This is like starting to be a tipping point into Jesus's death. And so I think that these next couple of chapters are just so important because he's sharing with us the most important things that he will say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that... Chapter 6 and chapter 7 focuses on the bread of life and the living water because he's he's talking about what it takes for us to live. Well, it even starts like all the way back when he's talking to the woman at the well. Like that, I feel like has been what stood out to me over the last few chapters is like there's a tangible example and then he teaches on it. Like he tells her that he's living water. There's that conversation they have. Then he provides bread in the wilderness Then he talks about being the bread, and now he's talking about being the living water. I feel like I've thought about that a lot. It's so simple. It's not overcomplicated. And Jesus is saying things that we need to live, he provides. Yeah. So what does that mean for us? Yeah. Here's how I've been convicted over the past couple weeks of reading John to live my life differently because of what Jesus says. What does it mean to come to him Mm -hmm. for our sustenance? It means to abide in him. And if you don't know what the word abide means, because it's something that I really have only ever heard in a spiritual context. If I'm going to abide in Jesus, it means using him as my source. So going to him first 
going to him last, <laughs> going to him all day, every day. And I heard a really good sermon that has been convicting. You can abide in him by praying your way through your day. And it looks like little prayers about everything. For me, the most tangible and helpful example is dealing with my anxiety. Mm-hmm. I went to a wedding with a bunch of high school friends recently and had some anxiety come up. Nothing terrible, but just like those things that pop up in your head that make you lose sleep. <laughs> and I remember thinking if I was abiding in Jesus during these moments, clinging to him for my worth and my meaning and my identity, would I still feel anxious? And truthfully, the answer is no. And it's weird as somebody who struggled with anxiety for my entire life, the number of times that I've felt anxiety in this past month, realizing that all of those times are times where I'm taking my eyes off Jesus. And what it looks like to abide in him is to say, God, I am feeling so insecure. Would you remind me what your perspective is here? Would you remind me what you see in these people? Would you remind me what you see in me? It's just a silent prayer in your head all day, every day, confessing how you feel and asking for his perspective. Also, what Jesus is saying is he is bread and water and like bread and water is something that we need on a daily basis. Right. And if you've told yourself that you don't have time for this, but you do have time for other things, then it's like eating candy for every meal or like eating right chips for every meal. It's like, yeah, you can get by for a while. Like you might not feel hungry at first, but your body is going to start suffering the consequences. But your body, yes. We were talking about that before we got on, the difference between like eating good food for you and eating crappy food. Like when I'm eating well and like taking care of my body because I'm providing it with the right nutrients, like then the days when I do eat crappy food, I feel it more. And that's just like a life with Jesus. He's saying that he is what we need to survive. And so you can get by with trying to fill your life and your days with other things that might like, like chips could fill you up. Sure. But are they actually going to like help you grow, help you like actually sustain long-term? No. So maybe you've told yourself, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time for a quiet time. I don't have time to really engage with God. So I'm going to go to church on Sundays and I'm going to do better with that when I graduate college, or I'm going to do better with that when I get more settled into my job, or I'm going to do better with that once I get married and I have like my husband or somebody to lead me spiritually. Maybe you've continued to buy into that to the point where Mm. now you just keep thinking it's a future thing. And what Jesus is saying here is, I am sustenance to your body. So if yeah. if we think about what it looks like to, from a health perspective, what it looks like to nourish your body. And I think about this a lot because I have a toddler and his very favorite food is pancakes. He hates <laughs> vegetables. 
I'm telling you, he's like really passionate about hating them. And I've been talking to my mom a lot about it, talking to people about it, trying to figure out what can I do to encourage him to do something that ultimately is what's good for him. And it's interesting because consistently he still just wants pancakes and frosted Cheerios and candy. And he would eat through every day just eating that stuff. It made me think about us and how we can be. Right. Like if we're honest as girls, my sister always says this and I think it's really true. Everybody has their own relationship with food and some of those relationships are healthy and some of it is really unhealthy and hard to work through. I feel like that the analogy of Jesus being bread and water for us is really helpful to me at least to think of it that way of like that's something that I do need on a daily basis and what else am I turning to to try and fill that void you know um what candy or like whether it's Instagram I mean the when that weekly report comes on Sunday about scream time you know that's a humbling moment for sure so if I can make my screen time less and time with Jesus more like why would I not do that because it's nutrients and it's good for me. Right. And there might be a day where you are so busy that you don't have time to eat. But as a rule of thumb, we all go through our days planning out our meals. Like when we wake up in the morning, we sort of know what we're going to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know? Yeah. It's like instilled into our life. And I think what Jesus is asking of us is the same thing to Mm -hmm. instill him into our life. We don't eat one time a day and then we're good for the rest of the day. Like you need bread throughout your entire day. You need food throughout your entire day. Like, (laughs) and snacks. So like Jesus is saying, kind of what you were talking about with the little prayers throughout our day. A one quiet time in the morning just to check off the box. Like that's not a relationship with Jesus. That's great. Like if that's where you are, that's awesome. But Jesus wants to be a part of our entire day. The more that we are abiding in Jesus, turning to him and allowing him to be the one to tell us who we are, to like, to give life and energy into our days, I at least have found the days when I am abiding in Jesus versus the days when I'm not abiding in Jesus, I feel the effect. Yep. We were joking about it earlier, but like... Uh, Everett and I sometimes will get in a fight and I'll realize later like, ooh, I was actually just like pretty hungry and a little (laughs) bit hangry. So I had some less patience than normal. And honestly, like I'm not, this is not just cliche, but it's that it's the same thing with time with Jesus. Like when I have actually had a quiet time or read scripture or prayed throughout the day, like when I'm seeking God throughout the day versus when I'm not, there's a 100% a difference in how I'm treating the people around me. Right. It's something that I have to say. I know that we're all busy and I know that spending time in the Bible or with God every single day probably feels daunting. Yeah. But he's not saying, come to me on Sundays. He's saying, I am your sustenance the same way that you have food every day all throughout the day. That's what I am. And that's if you come to me like that, then you will not want anything else. Yeah, it's just like how he provided the bread in the wilderness. You know, like it wasn't, it was more than enough. A life with Jesus is abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. But we have to trust him with what we have and trust that 
what he will provide is good. Yep. And the more you trust, it becomes a habit and a practice. Yeah, the more you trust, the more you realize it's not like a a blessing or an answered prayer. Those things may happen, but it's really more the relationship with him and the walking daily with him that is the sustenance. Good stuff. So we're talking about food. I find it helpful to have like checkpoints throughout the day, reminding myself about abiding in God and how it's not just in the morning, you know, like, yeah, how can I do that throughout the day? So maybe it's like, okay, when you eat, obviously people pray before meals, but making it more than just like a pray for this food, would it bless my body? Invite Jesus into that time. Yep. So that's a really tangible step. I think even if you just take five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds to be with God, that's like a really good opportunity to start getting in the practice. Cause yeah, we don't want you to leave this podcast feeling overwhelmed and like what you're doing isn't enough, but we do want you to leave realizing that God wants more for you in his relationship with you and in your relationship with him. And if you're feeling not fulfilled in your relationship with him, maybe it's because you haven't gone to him. Maybe it's because you haven't been experiencing the living water. Yeah. So go to him today. He wants you. He's ready. I think we fear that life with Jesus is less than or not enough or like we will be losing something by walking with Jesus. But what he's proving to us is that no, walking with him is giving us abundant life. Yep. We love you guys. Thank you for hanging in there as we walk through John. We know it's a lot, but we also believe that Jesus has so much for us and that the bread and the water and the life he wants to offer is so much more than we could ever unpack in a 30-minute podcast. So tune in next week for more. And we'll be starting up our five-minute devotionals on June 1st. The first one will be June 1st, and they'll come out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. All right. We love y'all. Bye. Bye.